Drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Broodland. Brewbloods episode 122. I'm Mark, and today on the show we have coverage from Index Fest 2017 in Dallas, the beer and music festival formerly known as Untapped. On this episode, Dustin, Jennifer, and myself talk to Chase Lewis from Tufts with some very big news for his brewery. Then we talk to Michael Finley from Pedicolis about what it's like to win a medal at the Great American Beer Festival. Matt Morris from Rabbit Hole Brewing talks about being one of the oldest breweries in North Texas at only four years old. April Lowry from Austin East Ciders talks about their upcoming plans for their Dallas Tap Room. James from Collective talks about expanding to California. And Philip Hardwick from Hot Fusion Works discusses how we're going to make America great again through craft beer. And uh, you should stay tuned near the end of that interview when a customer asks for something special that uh, I don't think they carry in their tap room. So let's get to it. So we're here with our semi-annual update with Chase from Tufts Brewery, one of our favorite breweries in the area. So you just broke some big news. Do you want to share it with the podcast? Yeah. So um, we uh, just this past week finalized a deal with Benny Keith for distribution in North Texas. So Benny Keith is going to take from Waco up to the Oklahoma border, out through northeast Texas, and then to Wichita Falls. So it's huge for us because they are one of the premier distributors in DFW. They've done an excellent job growing other brands in DFW, so uh, we're really excited about 2018. So what what about Benny Keith convinced you to go with them as opposed to Andrews? Um, they're both great people. I mean, we, we, we talked to people, both Benny Keith and both Andrews, and um, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't know how you can make a decision because they both have uh, excellent people, excellent brand managers. Um, I mean, super thrilled and excited to be meeting with any of them um but ultimately just you know benny keith uh you know probably initially showed a little more interest moved it along a little more quickly with benny keith so i think that uh was part of the reason um but i mean i have i have nothing but great things to say about both so so uh last time we were up there you guys were just getting your barrel program started i think we've seen a few results how's that going the barrel aging program um it's it's developing slowly but uh but I'm really excited about what we're doing in 2018. Uh, one of the things we talked about recently was doing much more barrelage uh, with different types of barrels. So uh, we just came out with Full Grown Jack, which is our pumpkin spiced imperial stout, the pumpkin spice version of Full Grown Man. So what barrel fits with that? Is it a is it a cognac barrel or is it some of the things, you know, something that adds some richness and depth? Uh, Full Grown Scallywag is... Uh, kind of a, a yet-to-be-finalized recipe, but it's going to be coconut, vanilla, maybe oak age, something like that. So for that, you know, that would be a great candidate to age in rum barrels because it's kind of the pirate thing, right? Um, ombre, you know, we're going to do that again in March, and so ombre, that might be a good candidate to age in a tequila barrel, or I don't know. But that we're, we're going to actively start exploring new barrels and uh, possibly other beers going into barrels too. So McKinney Rye from last year, which is kind of a more of a, a red rye barley wine, we might revisit that recipe and put that in some other kind of barrel, like a rye whiskey barrel. But right now, uh, for those who have been to the brewery before, we have a small barrel aging room with like nice glass doors and windows and stuff, and so it kind of looks cool, but it's not super functional because we can only store about 14, 15 barrels in there. Our tool room 
now is being cleared out and insulated so we can probably quadruple the number of barrels that we're aging in a temperature-controlled environment. So um, we didn't want to leave, you know, 100 barrels sitting on the floor in Texas heat at 100 degrees. So we wanted to make sure that we had the right cellar temp and all that kind of stuff. So we, uh, we're probably um, maybe two months away from fully insulating that room and really starting like a, a much bigger barrel aging program. But we are releasing barrel aged full grown man in January. So that'll be the 2017, 2018 release, um, which has been sitting in bourbon barrels now for, it'll be 13 months by the time that beer comes out. And then um, those barrels are going to get used again and they'll be blended with the next round. So we'll have to buy more barrels. So there'll be a blend of fresh and reused barrels for 2018, 2019 full grown man. So uh, initially, it's going to be the same quantity. You know, we'll have like 100 cases of it that will float around town. Uh, probably no draft, if any at all. But then, like I said, once we get the other room insulated, we'll be able to really amp up our barreling. So, And where are you guys sourcing your barrels from these days? Our first round of barrels actually came from a, a partner, a, a customer of ours. So we kind of partnered with a little bit on that beer. Um, the guys that own Cadillac Pizza and uh, and that that restaurant group, so they they were the connection to get the barrels. So that was a great, you know, uh, connection for us. But there's a barrel broker. There's actually uh, just a handful of barrel brokers that we've built relationships with. So um, they they have access to a portfolio of lots of different barrels. They've got a menu, but you know, all that kind of stuff's really expensive. The the great way to go about it is to build relationships with local distilleries and wineries so there's a there's a winery in southeast texas and i'm blanking on the name but um they've been doing some uh fortified wines and some other like big boozy wines that um and they've been you know aging their wines and barrels for a long time and so they've got some you know probably some really interesting barrels that we might you know uh grab from them for less than you would pay from a broker but and then there's also a, a bunch of distilleries around town too so um, there's one in particular uh, that we've been working on, kind of like a, you know, we've sent them some unfermented wort, and then they've distilled it down. It was actually Texas Shade, so it's the, you know, there's a little bit of that orange peel and coriander that kind of, it stays behind in the distillation, which I thought was pretty interesting. And they aged it in barrels for six months, and so we have a bottle of that at the brewery, and it, it's actually really good, because um, I had no idea how that would turn out. But when they, when they, um, they're still aging their whiskey right now, so it has. It, they haven't been open long enough to have barrels for us to use, but they've already talked to us about aging some of our, you know, bigger alcohol beers in their barrels. So, one dream would be to send them some unfermented, full-grown man, and then they distill it down, age it in whiskey barrels for however many months or years or whatever, and then they give us the barrels back, and then we age the beer in the full-grown man whiskey barrels. And so th- there's weird. Th- we're trying to figure out how we can make that work, but. It'd be kind of fun to do something like that. So. Yeah, I think that uh, Lakewood program with TX Whiskey has been a pretty good success for them, for both of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, didn't they do something with Herman Marshall? Sorry, sorry, Herman Marshall, not TX. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't I don't know to what extent they did, like, the you give it to us, then we give it back to you, and then that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think that that's been really successful for them. I mean, I know it's been really popular. It seems like Witherspoon's a big player around here, too. Yeah, I haven't personally talked to the guys at Witherspoon. I think my brother might have, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they've, Great whiskey, uh, they're on the up and up, and a lot of the breweries in, in Texas, DFW in particular, have been using their barrels. So, yeah, definitely. So I'll ask you a question. We just did a, uh, you read the article, the Central Track article, about the state of craft beer in Texas. So how would you summarize the state of craft beer in Texas right now? Like how have things changed maybe in the last couple of years since you guys started? 
or how do you feel about kind of the state state of the union, as it were? I so my my personal opinion about craft beer in Texas um, is that we we may be growing uh, large breweries in Texas faster than we're converting consumers. Um, but I think that we're conser- we're still converting consumers, right? So you know, in Austin, the percentage of craft beer drank uh, or non-domestic beer drank is like twenty percent. It's like six percent in North Texas. Um, so I mean, how far behind Austin are we? It's not like we're going to not get there. I mean, it's slowly happening more and more and more festivals, more events, more um, more brew pubs opening, smaller brew pubs in neighborhoods. I think you know are going to uh, deepen the culture for craft beer in North Texas. But um, but but I think that there's a lot of new breweries coming online with this whole like if you build it they will come mentality, and I don't think that that exists anymore, um, which I think is good uh, because the more people who just open breweries that you know might not have a good brewing background or are hiring people who have a good brewing background, um, they yeah they, they they might not make as good a beer as maybe we all hope, and and you know the unfortunate part of the, the unfortunate side effect of that is. When somebody tries a beer for the first time, a craft beer, because like I said, we're trying to convert all these consumers, and they don't like it, they think, I don't like Blondales. It's like, well, maybe you don't like that Blondale, but have you tried the other 30 that other breweries in North Texas are making? And I think one example of um, how you can still be very successful in craft beer in Texas is Modern Times in San Diego, because they opened three and a half years ago or so, when, I mean, anybody would have said that San Diego is super saturated craft beer, and they're one of the fastest growing breweries in the country. So it's not that you can't open a craft brewery in North Texas and succeed. You just have to be good. You have to be good with your packaging. You have to be hiring great people. You have to grow great beer. And I think you can still have explosive growth if you hit on all those points. But the times of um, if you build it, they will come are long gone. So, Yeah, that's a fair point. All right, well, Chase, thanks for your time. Congratulations on all the continued success. Congratulations on distribution deal. Awesome. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. really i can can i is it recording hey how are you okay good jennifer the bearded lady hey um not really good at this so i'm gonna ask you some questions and just see how it's going because we've already done this before um this is michael finley he actually is an amazing person etc and i just wanted to ask you what is new with pedicolis and what is going to be happening in the near future uh we actually have a lot going on um so first off uh, we are launching a members-only group for the brewery, uh, which is kind of big for a brewery. Number one, that is not packaged, uh, but only that we, you know, we can't sell directly to the public. Um, so it's going to be limited to 200 members. Um, we're kind of taking a soccer theme with it. Um, we're going to release the logo on Tuesday, so it's not going to be our regular Pentecostal logo. Um, and there's going to be kind of a, a, a first division and the second division kind of like you would in um, EPL. Yeah, 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 for sure. Are you going to move up and down like in like you get kicked out to a lower level? No. <laughs> There's no kicking out. Yeah, no, 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 no kicking out whatsoever. Um, but with that group, you know, you're going to get some privileges. Um, the first thing is you're going to be, those guys are going to be the, the ones that are in the Division One are going to be the first ones that are actually guaranteed a ticket to get into our anniversary party. And I planned the beer list this week and it's pretty kick-ass. A lot of crazy things in store for everyone. Um, but really, it's no holds barred in 2018 for us. Um, we are bringing it 
to everyone and challenging everyone to to bring out some new things. Um, so just stay tuned. There's a lot of announcements coming in the next six weeks. Um, and then in April, on April 21st, we're actually hosting a 5K. So the Velvet Hammer 5K will happen in the design district. Uh, it's going to run by the Melissa Moth, which is our very first account, um, and circle around back toward the brewery. So it should be very, very fun. And there might be a limited release beer available only there. Uh, am I allowed to drive a car in this 5K instead of run? Uh, no. So it's it's a certified road course. Uh, so the road will be shut down as a certified run. Uh, so if you're trying to gain, gain points, uh, you can totally come out and run it. Um, and there's going to be a couple of former Olympians there, maybe, possibly. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, I'm drinking your beer right now. Um, Sorry? It's always something. You're right, you're right, right. Yeah. Um, so it took silver JBF, right? It did. Uh, so this year at the Great American Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado, we won a silver medal for It's Always Something, our Belgian Dark Strong Ale. Super excited about that, man. Um, I remember when <laughs> Jennifer came in and was like, you know what, I want to record this video about this beer. And I was like, yes, it's it's one of those beers that was so underrated for us, uh, but it's... It, it, it really hits home for us. Uh, so back before that beer was released, the front of our building went on fire. Um, we almost had a hop shortage of Centennial hops. Uh, there was a Simpsons Dark shortage. There was so much going on. A car that was burned down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a car. Were, we, we lost several vehicles. Uh, I mean, you know, our brewer Rich lost his personal car. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot that went on back then, and it was it was always something. Uh, so it became a, a larger part part of us uh, in a whole uh, so we're very excited to win that beer and it also takes a nod to Great Scott that is the base beer our recipe for that beer change a couple of the grains but add some uh, Belgian candied sugar but it is Great Scott at the end of the day with uh, some Belgian yeast in it so yeah so what was the moment like when you found out that you won silver what was that moment like when you found out so, A, um, someone had to stay back and hold down the fort. So I was at the brewery. Uh, several of us were there preparing for our tour that we have on the first and third Saturday of the month. And uh, we were watching the award ceremony. We gathered pretty early. I remember getting up at 7 a.m. and cooking uh, breakfast tacos for everyone and got to the brewery. And once that came around and then they announced it's always something and I kind of blanked out for a second i didn't hear i didn't hear the no beer. no beer you just blacked out just yeah, for like yeah, a no second. no totally i mean you're, you're talking about it's 9 30 10 or 10 30 11 o'clock in the morning so i, I definitely had a little bit of royal scandal maybe but um you know definitely was had not been drinking all that much and yeah once i heard it's always something kind of blanked out a little bit and then i was like did they say pedicolis after that like i thought it was another beer called it's always something um, and Georgina is like shaking me, like yes, we we won a silver medal. Um, yeah, Georgie, definitely cheers for Georgie. Um, and then seeing you know Michael, Melissa, and Jared, um, and Chris, and Chad, and all the other guys up on the stage, uh, it, it was something else. You know, super super excited about that win. So why aren't you wearing your silver medal right now? Um, number one, I don't want to be responsible if something happens to said medal. Someone, I'm not going to name who, actually called and was like, so, you're still at the brewery. Can you bring the medal with you? And then we're going to just hang it up over the sign. And I was like, hey, sounds 
like an awesome idea, but I am not going to be the person to say, hey, Michael, so uh, we lost the medal. Just, it's not happening on my watch. Uh, I mean, and it's also not us. We don't boast or brag about things like that. I think there's been a couple of posts about us winning the medal in and of itself. Um, but it's not, we don't even hang our medals in our tap room yet, you know? Um, so it's, it's not us at the end of the day. But also, didn't want to be responsible if we would have lost that medal. You're so smart because this uh, whole entire festival turns into a show in approximately like 30 minutes. So that was really smart. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, again, like I'm saying, oh, God, Tone Lugs is about to play. So I have to go over to the stage and definitely hear him. Uh, but, yeah, super excited to be here at Index Fest uh, in 2017. We got some amazing beers on tap, uh, Black Curtains, which was from our uh, second anniversary back in 2013. So it's the original batch of that. Uh, we have the Duke from 2015, which, believe it or not, everyone kind of says it's the best best version of that beer or best, uh, of the year of the vertical. Uh, then you have It's Always Something that we won the gold medal for, or silver medal, sorry, at uh, the Great American Bill. Soon you will win the gold medal. Soon, yeah. I actually wish we would enter Velvet Hammer and hopefully win a gold medal for that. That would be awesome. Speaking of that, you still got Sledgehammer floating around at the brewery? We do. Uh, so, Pickhammer's on tap tonight. So if there's Pickhammer on tap, that means there was more Sledgehammer made. So Sledgehammer was brewed about seven, eight weeks ago. So we do have plenty of that around at the brewery right now. Yeah, so stay tuned for our anniversary party, December 30th. Um, it's going to be pretty fun. Um, announcements coming very, very soon. All right, Michael Finley. Oh, sorry, one more question. Oh, no, I just wanted to say thank you, Michael. I, I, I love Michael, and sure. he's my favorite. And I love Georgie, and I love everybody at Pedicolis. Oh, and I'm sorry. Oh, what? One more question. Georgina mentioned the other night at the uh, Women in Craft Beer Panel, yeah. you guys are developing a sensory program. We are. Can you tell, tell us anything about that and how it's going to work? Yeah, so uh, Georgina is in charge of the sensory program. Um, <laughs> I guess you guys, everyone knows now, if you're listening to this, that she had, like, broke her ankle. Like, broke her foot off. Um, so she has a lot of office time, yeah, coming up. So she developed a sensory program. Uh, we had our first sensory this past week. Uh, there are several more in store. Uh, but, you know, we, we want to be a great brewery. We don't want to be good. Um, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, so we need to set, up, set ourselves up for success. Um, and I think that us developing this sensory program is a huge part of that. Uh, craft beer uh, drinkers are finicky, and the last thing we want is for someone not to have their great Pentecost experience that we offer that very first time of having our beer. Anything else? No, I just I love Pentecost. <laughs> Michael, thanks for your time. Congratulations again. Thank you. Cheers. So we're here with uh, Matt from Rabbit Hole Brewing, who just stumbled on us and asked who we were and what we're doing, who we're recording for. We're really just in his pathway. Yeah, we were just yeah. in the way obstructing the path. Right, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's a beer festival, and you're going to run into people. Yeah, <laughs> and you just ran straight into me, like smack on. So, uh, so tell us what's new at uh, Rabbit Hole Brewing. Well, uh, let's see. Well, uh, Rabbit Hole, we are about to turn four. We've got our fourth year anniversary party coming up on December 9, and we've got a huge party we're setting up up there. Uh, pretty much everything we've brewed the last year we're going to have up there um, serving. But uh, what I'm really most excited about right now, we just re-released Jabberbock. It's our Mybock. It is a, it's a Mybock, Springbock. We released it back in the spring of this year, and it was so popular 
the people kept asking for it. So it's like, okay, well, spring, fall, summer, winter, whatever. Here you go. Here's your beer. Uh, we just re-released it. So have you seen the last, since you guys are almost about to be four, have you seen the, the scene change in North Texas since you guys started? Absolutely. Uh, we were when we started our um, when we started trying to form the brewery five years ago. There were five breweries in DFW. We were the 17th or 18th one to open when we opened in December of 2013. There are over 70 licensed breweries in DFW now. Amazingly, that makes us one of the oldest breweries in DFW, and we're not quite four years old. It's amazing the amount of growth that we've seen in the brief amount of time that we've been around. How have you seen taste change in that time? Taste? Uh, well, I, we've seen a lot of growth in the understanding. I going to beer. I go to all the beer festivals. I, I work most of these festivals. And when I started working them, I got a lot of the same kind of questions. But the, the two worst questions you can get at a beer festival, usually at the early part, what do you have that tastes like Coors Light? I got that all the time. Okay, what's your lightest beer? So you're coming to a beer festival in order to find a more expensive version of the beer you can already get at any convenience store. I, I don't really understand that mindset. The idea of a beer festival is to explore new styles, find out new beers. I don't hear that question nearly as much anymore. The other question I used to get all the time, usually towards the end of the festival is, and it was usually delivered in this manner, it's like, uh, what do you got that's got the highest, uh, uh, highest al alcohol? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you need water is what you need, and an Uber. Uh, you don't need any more alcohol at this point. But I don't get much of that question anymore either. And it's more, what, you know, what are the IBUs on this beer? Or you know, what kind of malts did you use? I'm getting a lot more intelligent questions, which tells me that the people coming to beer festivals are learning about the beer that they're drinking, and that is just amazing to watch. And then conversely, when I was at Weird Tups a few minutes ago, somebody rolled up right behind me. I was getting a, a port of full-grown man, and this guy goes, what the fuck is a full-grown man? <laughs> yeah, no. You'll still get that. I don't even know, yeah. It, it, you still do get that. I, I, we, we had one, one person uh, at the end of a festival a couple of years ago that was, that was so out of it that he wanted to, he, he saw that, that piece of, purple cloth. Hey, you, you sell t-shirts here? I want that. It was our tablecloth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but will you sell it to me? You want to wear a tablecloth? Is it a um, no, I, no, you can't buy my tablecloth. Wait, no, how much are you going to pay for it? Uh, <laughs> $30? Okay, sure, fine. Have it, uh, no, we didn't actually sell them the tablecloth. <laughs> Do you guys have any uh, new experimental beers coming down the pipe? Because you guys uh, did brew with uh, some rabbit uh, items a few years ago, didn't you? Didn't you guys have some, some really experimental beers come out about two or three years ago? Uh, not that experimental. I mean, uh, we, typically, the, the beers that we do, we don't do a lot of beers that everybody else is doing. Our core beers, if you look at them, we don't do a blonde ale, we do a Kolsch. We don't, uh, we do a brown ale, which isn't a really tremendously, you know, popular style. Uh, our IPA is a red IPA. It's not a standard traditional American IPA. Uh, now, we also like to play with some of the other styles. Uh, the most recent one that we did was actually a collaboration with Hop Fusion that was, it's called DD214. It was done in uh, honor of the, the uh, 242nd birthday of the Marine Corps. Uh, our, uh, one of our founders, Laren, is a Marine. 
And uh, Macy from Hot Fusion is a Marine, and Quentin from uh, Witherspoon is a Marine. And so the three, the three of us got together and did a collaboration beer. It's a Belgian Golden Strong uh, aged in Witherspoon barrels. And we did a huge party over it at Hop Fusion last night, to, which was the 10th of November. It was, it was last night. Uh, and that was the, the anniversary of the Marine Corps and did a huge birthday party. And, and unfortunately, all that beer is gone. <laughs> we sold all of it. <laughs> So anything new coming, exciting in the future outside of the uh, anniversary, upcoming anniversary? You want to? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the anniversary, we're going to have a lot of special beers coming out there. But one of the ones is, uh, the one we come out every year is the, called Ho Lang Syne. It is our New Year's beer. Again, we, we typically like to celebrate season. Everyone does a Christmas beer. Christmas gets plenty of press. I mean, November 1st through December 25th, it's Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. Then you've got one week of Happy New Year, and then it's on to Valentine's Day. Yeah. So, so it, okay, we, we got to do something for New Year's. After all, the, the calendar is turning over. Let's celebrate that. So, Holang Sign is our, our New Year's beer. It's a Belgian Golden Strong aged on blackberries and raspberries. It comes out every year uh, this time, and it'll be available at our party on December 9. Uh, and then after that, we've got uh, our Shield Biter, which is a strong scotch ale that we released a few months ago. We've got a batch of that aging on chocolate and chipotle. We're going to have bottles of that, very limited edition bottles, coming out in the springtime that will be available probably around the uh, February time frame of those. All right. Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah, we'd love to talk to you in a longer format sometime. Absolutely. Uh, we'll come and see you guys uh, soon, but congratulations on all the success. Thanks a lot. Yeah, uh, look forward to talking to you again. All right, we're here from uh, we're here at Austin Eastsiders booth with uh, April, aka Ape. Uh, you may have heard her the other day on the Women in Crap Beer panel for 2017 with Brain Dead, which we put out uh, this past week. So, first of all, congratulations on your all your success. So, what do you have planned for the Dallas market? For the Austin market or for the Dallas market? For the Dallas market. For the Dallas market, we have hopefully a new and upcoming cider tasting room coming up. Um, I cannot tell you the location, but I can tell you that we will have a tasting room within the next 365 days that will offer you not only our current offerings, but also some limited releases that you can only get in Dallas. Uh, we do have a couple of new flavors coming out next year, one for sure, but I cannot tell you what it is. So how much say do you have in crafting that tap room? Um, up. I would say I have a lot of say. My boss would say otherwise. <laughs> Can't give you a definite answer, but I do know that my company does like us to think freely and do a lot of creative things. So the exclusive ones that will be offered in Dallas, will the brewing be done here as well? Yes, they will be done here in the tasting room. So I'm interested to know, you like you explained this very briefly the other night, the difference between what, how you guys make cider and how, let's just say, other cideries make their cider. Can you, like, elaborate on that point? Absolutely. Uh, so we make sure we have the finest apples and the finest cider apples. The difference is some cideries make cider from, let's say, just eating apples, dessert apples, like your, your you know, Lady Smith apple or Granny Smith or whatever, just generic apples you get at the grocery store. Once you ferment those apples, those become very oversweet, and you don't really want to drink that once you ferment it. Our apples are uh, cider apple, which are very tart and very small, similar to, I would say, a crab apple. But when you ferment those, those do come out, the natural sweetnesses come out of those, and those actually are easier to drink and not as sweet as most commercial ciders. 
So is it super expensive to import those to the States? Oh, you have no idea. I have no idea. All I know is it's cheaper to have them press for us. They co-press the apples there in Europe and send us the juice because it's much better for that to happen than they just put some apples in a bin and put them on a ship and then those get here because by the time they get here, they'd be not usable. So they do co-press all of the apples there and send them to us here there to Austin where we do all the fermentation and special magic. So I know you said on the panel that you're more of a beer person, and you were back in the day. You, you immediately dismissed cider. So what was the cider that convinced you that cider maybe had some potential? Austin East Ciders. But, well, was it a specific flavor or, a, or a one specific cider? Uh, actually, the hop cider. Once the hop cider came out, at first I kind of looked at it oddly and thought, okay, well, this isn't hoppy at all, so I don't like it. I don't understand, but then the more I had it, the more I realized, like, okay, if I really did put, like, a Simcoe or a Citra hop into a cider, it would not be good at all. But then I learned that, you know, our cider makers in Austin are genius, and they picked the perfect hop for the cider to make it brilliant, and that's when I fell in love with Austin East Ciders. So, compared to other cideries, what do you think Austin East Ciders is doing right that maybe other cideries, not to name names, that are doing wrong that you guys are doing so much better, other than the apples maybe? Other than the apples, I'm not really sure if I can comment on what that would be. <laughs> Fair enough, I'm just getting scandalous here. Uh, I missed the question. All right, you missed it, it's fine. Now, I just want, what do you guys do better as far as cider making goes than maybe other, that other cideries are missing, maybe that Euro guys do, that you guys do, and they're, they're missing out on? I think that we take time to make sure that we pr we pick quality apples and we source from the best orchards that we can get from and make sure that we can do the best that we can. We do very high quality testings and just quality control, repeat everything until we get it right because we're not going to put anything out there until everyone on board agrees that it's 100% correct. And one last thing, I'll let you go. Um, you mentioned back after Prohibition, they cut down all the, the local, the national cider trees here that you know we're a lot of the guys are using dessert apples or whatever is there been any effort to replant those kinds of trees here or is it just going to all be imported for the future i by your expression i'm guessing maybe you're i can't say you can't no comment no comment no comment all right well congratulations on the success and i'm sure we'll see oh anything you want to mention coming up I think we may have covered it all, but I want everyone to please keep their eye out for the Austin East Siders New Tasting Room coming up in 2018. All right, congratulations again. Thank you. So we're talking to James, one of the brewers from Collective, and we actually, in the most recent, uh, in Central Track, put it in an article last night. And we talked about how you guys are probably the most experimental brewery in, in Dallas, in North Texas right now. And we gave a tip of the cap to uh, On Rotation at the same time. But, but what I said about you guys... That Sati beer over there is killer. I love the Sati and the uh, Sticky Beak. Dude, those guys over there are making some really good stuff too. I go in there. Yeah, which, I, which what I said is I want them to do more. Like, you guys have a full board, a full board of what I said was square peg round hole situations <laughs> that you don't think is going to work, and then it does. And then on rotation, I'm like, I want you to do that, but keep adding on. Yeah. Now, um, also, too, you guys don't taste the stuff that doesn't taste good and gets dumped. So that's the <laughs> other thing. You guys are like, oh, yeah, everything tastes good on the wall. Yeah, there was some stuff that just didn't work out. 
So what, what didn't work out? A lot of it's mostly just the process of brewing the beer. Uh, when you're working with bacteria, it's very hard to keep um, everything under, under control. Like it's a lot of uh, hoping what you plan and you tried and you know what to do with works. Because sometimes things just don't work out. And that's what sour beer making is. Every sour beer brewery will tell you that. So, okay, you guys have had some big news in the last week. You guys are expanding to California. Yes. I'm kind of interested to know how that came about and what does that? What do you think that means for Collective? So for us, it's mostly about the idea. Um, we're, we're um, I guess, large format, small package is the best way to put it. You know, our, our beer comes in, in 500 mil bottles. It's not a six pack. Uh, here in Texas, that's a hard sell a little bit. Yeah. Other markets are more experienced. California's been brewing sour beer out there for 15, 20 years now. You've got breweries like Lost Abbey, and you've got breweries like the Rare Barrel that just launched, and they're doing all this stuff and getting some national recognition. So uh, we figured go to markets where people already like the beer, and uh, we're going to festivals out there, just kind of getting our brand out a little bit differently. We're, we're just a different brand in a market that's not exactly where we fit in so we figured go put our beer in the places that fits and that's what the uh, the owners decided to do and as all of us who work there are all behind it we want to we want to see our beer all over the country and that's hopefully international i mean that's the other thing too is like we brew a beer with ramen noodles like why not put that thing in every damn ramen store across the entire globe like <laughs> so do you guys feel like i mean maybe this is not a proper analogy but do you feel like you're a square peg in the round hole of dallas or north, i'm sorry not dallas but north texas in general a little bit. And people love our stuff, and that's what's great about going to festivals like this, because people do come by and they tell you how much they like it. Um, and so that's what's awesome. It's just also one of those things, like I said, it's a hard sell for a $10 bottle of, of, of a pint, you know, on a shelf. People just don't always want to pull the trigger on that. Some people are still just experiencing, they want six packs, and that's how it works. So it's, it's, it's a market that's growing and expanding, and that's the other problem, too, is, I mean, everyone out here is new. Everything is new. There's always something new. And so keeping up with that whole new thing right now is also the other thing. I mean, everyone's brewing new. Everyone's coming in that's new. I think we had like 60 label approvals last week of new beer. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be shelf space. That's going to be tap space. Everyone's looking to compete. And it's not so much competition. It's just, hey, we brew good stuff. Come try it. We want to we be here. People want to drink it. Hopefully people want to drink it. <laughs> so from a price point, like Prairie, I mean, you guys are of a similar price point, right? So what do you feel like the challenges between you guys? Obviously, Prairie does a lot of stouts and big, bold, probably easier drinking maybe less challenging than Collective is. Other than that, what do you think the challenge point is between you guys and Mary Prairie, which, like I said, are of a similar price point? Uh, well, first off, uh, BJ and Mike were at our place last week. We love those guys. Through disc golf, uh, ate barbecue, drank beers. They're great people up there at Prairie. Um, I just think for them, they have... Uh, Time, I guess the best way to put it. I mean, they've been around longer. They, they've, they've grown. Plus, they're putting out a product with a brewery that's already established other brands. Like, you know, you're, they're, re, they're establishing new brands as they've already had old standards. So for them, expanding isn't completely unheard of. But uh, talking to those guys, man, they, they just... Plus, too, like, I talked to Mike, their, their, their guy, and, and we were talking about sour beer production. He still loves what he does, and he's making sour beer, and he just he loves the experimental aspect of it. I mean, we don't we use fresh culture pitches. He was telling me they're still growing up all their lactobacillus off of wheat, and I was like, man, I cannot believe you're doing that on a 50 barrel brew house this size. How much you're producing? He goes, I'll tell you what, we we do toss some, but we do love what we get, and when we brew it, we know what we're doing, and we're getting it done. And I'm like, all right, I just as far as price points go, I, I can't say I know everything about price points. I don't run the business, but uh, you know, I I just think. Um, when it comes to shelf space, you know, everyone's got their own thing, and it just hopefully people do the research to look at what they're getting, 
and they realize why the price point's what it is. If a beer sits for you know six months in a barrel and then it gets moved on, and it's not a bourbon barrel beer, but it's a wine barrel aged beer, or it's a fooder beer, full mixed cultures, all these things that went into it. It's not a cheap process to make it. That's why it's going in these these nice pretty packages too. I mean, it's we're also not trying to skimp out on just making a 12 ounce bottle with like a foil wrapper or anything like that. It's it's something we we put time and effort to, even with the idea behind every design. So this is more of a broad question. Um, we. We live in Lake Highlands, so we have a lot of experience with Dallas. We deal a lot with Petacolas, Lakewood, Deep Ellum, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, we were asked in that same Central Track article you mentioned, like, kind of what, are the, what is the state of the Dallas brew scene. So we kind of we discussed that. We discussed Dallas more specifically. We don't get out to Fort Worth as much as we'd like. Fort Worth's a great city, and we just don't make it over there as much. So I was kind of curious. I know we have North Texas as a, as a whole, but can you speak more to maybe how the Fort Worth scene has kind of blown up uh, in the last few years? I have no problem talking about that because actually um, the brewery reporting right next to you right now, Hot Fusion, they're three blocks away from us. Rar and Sons has been around for 13 years uh, as of last week. They're five blocks down from us. Um, Martin House is about a mile and a half away. Wild Acres is about probably three quarters of a mile or a little right around that. I mean, um, my birthday, the last three years, my wife and I get on our bikes, we park at our place, and we ride a bike to every single one of those breweries on a Saturday because they're that close together, and that's how the kind of town Fort Worth is. You can do that. And... Um, I just think people don't realize that about us. Like we're, I I really don't go out to Dallas much either. Mostly just because um, I find myself. Well, I find myself being an old man who doesn't want to go to a bar. I go to the breweries that I like. I, I do go to Petacolas. In fact, with Father's Day this year, my family surprised me with a bike ride in Dallas. We went to Community Petacolas, Noble Ray. Um, we ate lunch at Luck. We went to Four Corners, and we did a, a Pegasus. I'd never been to Pegasus yet, so. We did all that in a day because that's what I like to do is get on a bike and drink beer. So it's a thing that happens. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't people realize Fort Worth has got that aspect to it. I mean, that's what I've been telling people here left and right. All these breweries right here on this row, I mean, we're all out there and we're not far apart. Um, you know, come drink. Like, try it out. Like, it's really not that hard. You can even get a hotel room and just go to everything in Uber and it's not even that going to be expensive for an Uber. Like, everything's right there. And frankly, you guys probably have a better downtown anyway, so it's a lot more mobile and a lot easier. Yeah, there's no doubt about okay, it. Okay, not probably. Oh, yeah. You have a better downtown. It's free parking uh, at the meter after 6 o'clock. I mean, come on now. Like, that's that's awesome. Yeah. So, I find this about, in general, just the, um, I feel like Fort Worth in general and probably the Mid-Cities by extension are kind of an undervalued area of, especially North Texas. Like, not, it's like, it's such a great, um, <laughs> It's such a great no 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 it's fine. Uh, it's such a great That's just why uh, community people like that. Right yeah, now. <laughs> such a just like um, I don't know what the right low it not not low energy. Uh, and because uh, trust know, me, like I'm I'm super excited because uh, buddies of mine who I know from other breweries that have been around. Chill, yeah, other breweries, other breweries who have been around and industry wise. Uh, I'm looking forward. To, I have a lot of really good friends at Turning Point that's going to be opening in the mid cities. I live in the mid cities. They're going to be about six minutes from my house. I now have a new place to go to on the way home from work. Like yeah. that's going to be awesome to me. Um, uh, the, the places in the area that we go to, it's similar. I mean, I, I don't feel I have to leave a lot to go find good beer because there's places in the area that even buy our sour beer that, that put it on tap. And, you know, you, you kind of worry about whether or not that's going to go over in a small suburb of a greater culture you would think in Dallas. But there you are know, places that buy it and places that sell it and places that love it. So it works for me. I, I, I live in the mid-cities. That is my, my neighborhood. My kids go to Colleyville. <laughs> I don't just, live in Colleyville. I live in Euless. Trust me, I don't pay those I pay those taxes. I don't pay that. that it just work. feels like... Uh, <laughs> It feels like every like Dallas is always like the marquee city, and there's so much around the area that get is is always left out in the branding of North Texas. Well, for me, I didn't realize until I started helping out with sales and doing stuff like that how much is actually in like McKinney and Frisco and Allen and 
I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of open space that places are going to be popping up over there all the time. And I had no idea there was that much out there. And so I started driving up 121, hitting all those spots. And then suddenly I was like, wow, growler bars, beer bars, just everything out here. It's 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 growing that way too. So who are you outside of your own brewery, of course? Who are your favorites in the area? Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> I can tell you who my favorites are. This is not like picking favorite favorites, but uh, Manhattan Project actually um, has been brewing my new favorite IPA since I had Atomic Alliance. That has been one of the most solid things I've had and cool, just best beers. Uh, my family and I actually do family game night once a month at Community, and I'm not kidding. Like My 11- and 13-year-old kids come with us. We buy food. We go out there. We play games. We get to drink some beers. I hang out with my friends who are there, chit-chat, love that place. Um, and they're uh, Witten Wild. If anyone hasn't had that beer yet, that Witten Wild is one of the most solid, like, Brett beers anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, crap, Dallas. Uh, oh, Bitter Sisters, dude. I love their red. I go drink that red all the time. That red, my, my wife just bought a six-pack of Hissy Fit last night, actually. That's what she wanted to drink. So, uh, yeah, Bitter Sisters does really great stuff, too. Love all that. Um, I, like I said, I go to the breweries that are easy to go drink to, and that's what I'm talking about right now. The ones that I like to go to, hang out, meet the people, and, and I know the people. Pedicolis, I go there too. Um, those guys are great. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's, it's community is my, my, my Dallas brewery for the most part. That's, like I said, we do family game night there. That's kind of our thing. <laughs> so uh, we'll, let you, we'll let you go after that. we got a lot of buildup over here. But uh, so what's something you would like to see Collective try? Because you guys are kind of on, when it comes to brewing, you guys are kind of on the fringe of, perhaps taste palettes, things you would not expect. So what's something you want to try or have tried that maybe you have not been able to make work yet, but you think can work, if anything? Uh, man, I'll tell you what. It's this. Everyone keeps talking about this New England IPA style thing, and everyone wants the hazy, juicy stuff. We did Brett Shake, and we did it our way. We did it with Brett, and we liked it that way. So Was that a milkshake, Epi? It was, yeah. We did it with lactose sugar. We did it with vanilla bean. It was used, We used mosaic lupulin powder. Um, I mean, it was it was a milkshake IPA. We did it with Brett, though. That's kind of what we, we, we wanted to make a beer that everyone wants to try. We wanted to make it our way. And uh, we, we ferment with Britannomyces. That's our yeast of choice. Different variations of strains and stuff like that, but that is our yeast of choice. Um, most people hate it, don't like it, or are afraid of it. We love it, and we embrace it. Um, our actually biggest problem that we have is trying to separate the pediococcus out of everything. The bacteria is where we, we focus on most of our stuff. So uh, for us, Brett's, Brett's just the yeast. That's what we like. <laughs> well, anything, uh, just to wrap it up, anything you want to announce about coming up at Collective uh, that you want to celebrate or pimp or whatever? I mean, we just hit three years for our anniversary beer. The American Sour Red is now out, our third year anniversary. Every year we've done that beer. So uh, check it out. It'll be on all on the shelves. Uh, a few places got draft of it, but... Um, yeah, we cases are going everywhere. So, check out American Sour Red, and uh, if you haven't ever had a cup of beer, man, we make a beer with ramen noodles. Just as a heads up, yeah, it's a ramen noodle goes in, man. I mean, oh yeah, dude, trust me, I get asked all the time when I go buy those ramen noodles at Walmart. Do you work in a soup kitchen? No, I brew beer. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Congratulations on all the success. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, thanks thank for, you. Thanks for taking thank talking. Collective, I mean, we're literally all right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so James was just talking about Hop Fusion. You guys, did you say you're James, coming up? You're James Collective. James from Collective, okay. yeah. He said, and you said your guys are coming up on your first anniversary? Is it? First, first, first year anniversary will be the 25th, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Okay, so I'm not familiar with you guys at all because, as we were telling James, we're in East Dallas, and it's a bit of a haul, especially when you're drinking, to try to get to Fort Worth and drink if you're, unless you're like hopping on the dart. Go to the TRE. Yeah, maybe the TRE will help we, it out, yeah. yeah. We are the last stop on the TRE. Oh, perfect. So come out. 
go to us, go to Collective. You can hit RAR if you want to. You can also, there's two distilleries all right there. Get your drink on on a Saturday, and you still can get the TRE and come back to Dallas. Yeah, we, and we just haven't done that. It's something we've been meaning to do. We just have not done it. So tell us what Hot Fusion is all about. Well, uh, you want the long answer or the short answer? Give us the long answer. Right, so... Hot Fusion comes out of homebrewing. So all you homebrewers out there, if you want to follow your dream and do something, this is proof that it can happen. So our founders are Macy Moore and Matt Hill. They're part of a biking club called the Night Riders in Fort Worth. And from there, they became homebrewers. And from homebrewing, they graduated to another brew pub out in Fort Worth that I used to work for and several of the other employees used to work for. And so we all kind of came from that central culture or location. And from there, basically, at that point in time, and still these days, IPAs are all the rage. Uh, especially like East Coast IPAs and then high IPAs and West Coast IPAs. So we wanted to do something like everyone in Fort Worth, we're going to do something different. And so we focus on... Hop fusion beers. Like, so basically you take our hops that are in every beer and then we try to find other flavors to mix with those that will either bring out those hops or change the entire character of the beer. Like you guys just have the Coco Añejo. A lot of people are doing coconut stuff. But uh, in a second, I want you all to try the Feisty Blonde as well. And uh, hey, can you actually pour them uh, some Feisty Blondes? Uh, the idea is that we can do all kinds of flavors of beer. Beer is like bread. Beer is like pasta. Beer is like wine. And it feels, just on a blonde front, it feels like blonde is a very bland category in general. Right. So that's why I want you to try these blondes. You're right. Blondes are, you know, they're usually from Dallas. True. And uh, they're usually about a 45 or 5% ABV. They are a lot of gateway beers. Uh, gateway blonde. Sure. Dallas blonde. You have so many blondes that are, you know... The equivalent of the beers that get you into the market or that introduce you to craft beers. My like my gateway beer was Fat Tire. Sure. From that I graduated. And so that's how we approach blondes. But blondes, you're right. Blondes kind of become your generic bland kind of beers. They become your, you know, uh, if someone wants a Miller Lite, you usually give them a blonde. If someone or uh, if someone wants whatever a logger and they don't really know any if they're not educated about craft beers blonde is a good way to steer them uh or like a mexican lager those are two directions that you can get people in and so we wanted to do that but we also wanted to make it attractive to a true craft crowd so the honey vanilla blonde is our best seller it's called feisty blonde it's honey vanilla and brown sugar but we ferment with the honey so that is an eight and a half percent beer Wow, yeah, that's that's way out of category. Usually, like you said, it's like between 3 and 5%. Right, and so we get a lot of traction from if I, ABV whores. You know, and that is, I mean, I'm, I'm an ABV whore. Size if I, queens? Yeah, size queens, exactly. <laughs> if, I go, if I go to get a beer, I, and I have two options, and one is a high ABV and one is a low ABV, I'm going to go the high ABV. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I understand that too. Yeah. You, you want to get your your bang for your buck. Right, well, because really, realistically, if you think about it, if you have one high BV beer, I mean, we're all kind of big dudes. We all we're all big dudes. We all have beards and yada yada yada. Well, you know, we're trying to drink a two Michelob Ultras in one beer. Yeah. You know, if you think about it from AB, from an ABV standpoint and a calorie standpoint, you and I make that argument all the time. It's like it's cheaper because you don't need as many. Yeah. And you don't have as many calories because you're not drinking as many. Just watered down beers. No, it's filling. It's yeah. not filling. 
and you get flavor out of it. Yeah. You know, and I can't say we have a, it's a very flavorful blonde. No, nope. this is damn good. Thank you. I appreciate this, it. This is probably the best blonde in Dallas right now. Thank you. Just don't say damn that to good. Dallas. Blonde, uh, you know. <laughs> to, to other breweries. Yeah. 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 I, lo- I love. No. This I love. This. In certain neighborhoods in Dallas. Yeah. No, but I'm saying like this is. Uh, I, I have to say it's the first time ever having this. This is wonderful. Thank you. This is very like you can when you say uh, uh, honey and vanilla, you can taste it right there. Uh, is it local honey? It's uh, the honey is out of Temple, so it's more or less yeah, local. local. Yeah, it's yeah. more or less a local. It's close uh, enough. Yeah, we go down every Monday and pick up multiple fifty-five gallon drums of it. Wow! And it's uh, it goes in right after the mash. Uh, it actually it goes in a it goes in with the whirlpool. So as we're whirlpooling into the fermenter, that's when it goes in. So you get a good blend of it, a good mix. Uh, yeah, and it's I. This is damn good. I think. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it is a really good beer. Yeah. yeah, and see, we've talked about a lot uh, just the growth of the North Texas brew scene and that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like probably circa, I don't know, 2011, 12, you could be a generic brewery that came out with a generic, here's an, here's an IPA, a stout, a lager, and a, and a Kolsch, or, or not even a Kolsch, it's probably too experimental, but let's even say a blonde or something. But nowadays, I think um, doing things like you're talking about here with the blonde, I think that really makes you guys stand out. Is that kind of your focus as well? Exactly, that is our focus, because um, you don't have, just because you need a beer that's palatable to a lot of people, it doesn't have to be boring. You know, I love... On a summer day, sitting outside, I like a Kolsch. It's a nice, crisp, clean beer. But we don't we don't do any quote unquote true to style beers. Why? There's no need to. We're not trying to impress some judge at a German festival or German competition. It's just not. That's not what we do. We don't. We have no desire to. Plus, that's been done a thousand times. Exactly. Now we may not win awards for a true Kolsch. We may not win awards for a true blonde. Like that, but that's not. Awards are nice. You know, they're great. Like we, we would love to have left JBF as one of the Texas breweries to have an award. We didn't, but that's okay. Because we've won at the U.S. Open. We've won several other awards. We've won several best of shows. And the way that we've grown shows that people appreciate the product. Because when it comes down to it, it's not really about what awards you get. It's really about who's who wants the beer. And if you want the beer, then that's the whole point. And... You know, so we're like everyone else. We come up with, with ideas and we try them out and we're like, that was a f- bad idea. <laughs> All right, scrap that one. I mean, we have a whole, uh, we have a fermenter full right now. We're like, what do we do with this? I mean, do we try to make it into something else? Do we, you know? And What is it? What is it? Well, what's the problem with it? Uh, well, uh, I don't know what we're doing with it yet, so I don't really. Uh, can you say? I'm not, well. You can't, that's fine. All right. I, I can't relate at the moment because we don't, we just, it might be a dump and I don't want to like put anything out. It, honestly, it may just be a dump into the, because it just, people still, it, it's a beer that people probably like, but we don't really know what to do with it. It's got, I wouldn't say problems, it's just not. It's not what you want it to be? Right. Well, we have a, uh, we have an amazing brewer, Adam, and he is very, I mean, Matt and Macy too, but Adam's are really, he's our day to day brewing. And if the beer isn't up to his standards, we have to debate what we're going to do with it. And we have we actually have a pretty strict clarity standard. So if we have a beer that comes out and it's not the clarity we want, we're willing to dump it. Um, but we may do it as a blend. We may do it as a flavored something. And, and, and our flavored beers, we're okay with the color change. But in anything that we feel should be clear, we won't put it to market. So just because it... Um, I mean, like, as an example, like a, a, a Kolsch. If you're drinking a Kolsch and you can't see through it, it's kind of weird. Yeah. You know, and so that's what we have to consider. 
So we have a, and that's kind of our standard as far as that goes. So that makes sense. Um, just regarding distribution and expansion and that kind of thing, are you guys focused on saying uh, kind of staying in the Fort Worth area, or do you guys want to blanket North Texas? Do you want to blanket bigger than North Texas? To be entirely honest, we're uh, Full Clip has helped us out a lot with this. Um, we're all over DFW. Uh, three months ago when I came on. Uh, we are at 420 locations. As of yesterday, we're at 440-something. We'll be at 600 before the end of the year. That's just DFW, Denton, uh, Waco, Weatherford, that, uh, and all the way out to, like, Texarkana, Tyler, Longview. Wow. Um, so we're in, like, we're in Specs. We're in Total Wines. We're in, actually, Tom Thumb is a really good place to get our beer. Yeah. Uh, which is something I never thought would happen. Uh, targets, Super Targets, the ones that have the craft beer expansion we're in those and uh we can four of our beers uh we're canning twice a week now and we're about 1800 1800 18 months ahead of schedule on that yes we everyone wants to go national if someone says they don't want to go national they're lying to you i mean seriously i mean we don't want to be we don't want to sell the brewery but we definitely of course we want to be national we don't want to overexpand. that's we have seen that problem in some of the other breweries in the area they overexpand. Their quality drops. They don't have the... I mean, we're in the craft beer industry. We need to focus on those things. If we wanted to make beer, we'd work for a big brewery. Well, we tend to point towards uh, Grapevine retracting and then, uh, you know, Audacity, they're about to shut down too, so, you know. I, I didn't want to bring up any names, but yeah, those are examples that I can think of. Um, and there's others. There, there are others even in Fort Worth. There's, a couple, there's at least one that to be, be unnamed that is gone. Um... And that is a that's a problem. It's a serious problem, and we're not doing ourselves any justice by going reaching too far because you have a, you have a production capacity. And if you are lie to yourself and just think, oh, we'll we'll double up or what well, happens, you know, you can't rely on. Sometimes you can't rely on suppliers. Sometimes you can't rely on the industry. We, we, our industry accounts for about ten percent of the overall market share. Yet we account for about 50 to 55% of the labor. So everyone in this industry is fighting to get these brewers, these sellermen, these salesmen, these everything. And you can have a great beer today and you can lose your head brewer tomorrow and what are you going to do? That's the only guy in your brewery that has the experience to make that beer and he's gone. Yeah, you're screwed at that point. You're screwed. And so you have to keep all these things in mind. Um, So... As far as expansion goes, I mean, we're our tap room's amazing. We're open six days a week. We do a lot of business through it. Um, we are focused this next year on distri- distribution through "quote unquote" like retail channels. Um, we do want to focus on that, but we only we don't want that to be any more currently any more than probably thirty to thirty five percent of our business. We want to focus more on your craft and growlers, your taps and caps, your um, uh, Whole Foods. Places like that that uh, that do growler fills and that have a relationship with their customers. Retail is great, but in the long in the long end, in the long run, craft the craft industry is about interaction too. We're not really like you said, it's craft beer culture. It's not the craft beer industry. Yeah, come to Lakewood Growler, we'd be very happy. <laughs> All right, well, uh, are you guys in Garland, right? Uh, well, we're in East we're in East Dallas, uh, Lake Highlands area. Uh, I'll put on my list. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my responsibility. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, that's... And I try to explain to some people that aren't part of this culture that we're... 
you can go to a bar now and you don't have to hit on a chick. You don't have to worry about like yeah. going home with a chick because you're going to be too drunk anyway. Uh, you don't have, and there's all things. You can sit at a bar with a complete stranger and go, hey man, what are you drinking? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love that beer. Oh, I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. I mean, a, a random stranger will give you their beer and let you drink out of it. Pretty much any craft beer bar you go to, and it's not a weird thing. No, that's great. I think that's yeah. a great shift in this it's area. Shift, and it's, and it's only growing, and it's just, it's one of those things that, it is a culture. It's, and it's also, and now we're going to get super like, oh, about it. America was founded on beer, really. And the American Revolution happened because we all sat around. These political people would get together and they'd have these things. They'd have beer there and they'd sit around and drink the beer and discuss politics and stuff. What, it wasn't tea? No, it was not tea. <laughs> I mean, Sam Adams. I mean, he, and uh, hey, and great respect to him because if it weren't for that guy, like, and then and she, even Shiner Bach, like, these guys get a lot of. Not flack, but they don't get all the respect that sometimes they deserve. And that is, uh, they paved the way for us. If there was no Shinerbach in Texas, there would be no craft beer industry. But if there was no Sam Adams, there would be no craft beer. If there were no Dogfish, if there were no Ska, if there were no, uh, you know, any Breckenridge, any of the big guys that sometimes people give well, even for us, we always give Rar and Sons a lot of a lot of credit because I mean they're the big local first. Well, shit, and they just won. They just won a GBF. Yep. You know, uh, I mean, but look at the number of people that have won at GBF this year from North Texas. I mean, there's only 293 awards, and we still took home three, like seven, eight, nine, nine awards between Pedic- what Pedicolis, uh, Rar. Uh, who did I miss? Anyway, long story short, it doesn't really matter. But. Yes, and it's a culture now. And the thing is, if you take this culture and you apply it to other industries, there's a difference to be made in this country. And I do feel like this is the way to make America great again. (laughs) This is the way to do it. This is the actual way to do it. You know, when we... We're doing all... It's not... and And it's from... Just making a product, you know. I people are like, oh, I want to. Oh no, I just want a regular beer. I want, a, I want like a regular American beer, a domestic beer. Well, you know that InBev owns Budweiser. It's a German company. Right. It's you can't get any more domestic than I walk out of my house, and I walk twelve minutes, and I walk. I mean, and then, and then, like you said, local honey, local products, everything we use in our products, well, except for the hibiscus and the prickly pear, they're all from here, you know, and so. Yeah, it's. I'm sure you guys run into this all the time. Like, it is a constant argument with people to be like, "Dude, what you're drinking is, is, is right, this whole marketing campaign where you have four ingredients and rice is one of them." Yeah, rice isn't beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I will say conversely, like, I think that the great thing about craft beer, I mean, among many things, just being a libation, but. The great thing about craft beer, it is the resurgence of the small, like, the business on Main Street. It's the small business resurgence. It's like, Absolutely. all these breweries here, I mean, I say all of them, most of the local guys, they're all employing a number of people that are making a living wage, are enjoying what they're doing, and are turning out a fantastic product. And that's all what we want from a Main Street business that we don't get from Walmart, that we don't get from even as much as I love Target or Costco. Or They're not turning that out. They're buying that. And that is a resurgence of Main Street, and that's all what we want. It's for our local cities, is to like, again, making make America great again. 
that trite phrase, that's what it's all, it's all about. Yeah, and this, uh, and I guarantee you, the craft beer industry trumps all the other industries when it comes to, to new thing, to the yeah. way to do business. So to speak, and, yeah. Yeah, so to so speak. To, yeah. yeah, I just had to throw the Trump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pun intended. So the, the whole thing is, like, we don't do everything right. Like, we f*** up. We screw up. I mean, we, every business is going to. But we also, like you're saying, like, this is Main Street America. And this is, like, honestly, like, all these, like, Paradise Papers came out in the last two, two, uh, two, three days, and it shows that all the money that we're giving these companies, they're going to an offshore account somewhere. They're not doing any of us any good. This stuff does us good. That keeps us money in circulation. There's no one person or one small group. Like if you consider two out of ten to be the, those are our owners. I mean, you can come into our brewery any day and ask. Can I talk to Macy. Can I talk to Matt? And I'll be like, hold on a second. Let me grab them. Yeah. And you can't go into a. If you try to go into a Target and ask to talk to the manager. You're going to stand there for 20 minutes. And it's just not... Yeah. We don't want to be faceless. No, I mean... And honestly, you look at a lot of the the big craft people. They're not faceless either. And they've kept that going. Like uh, uh, Fat Tire. That's... Uh, I want to say Boulevard. It's not. It's Breckridge. No, not Breckridge. It's... Uh, who owns Fat Tire? Oh, uh... uh no, 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 None of us. Uh, We're all New Belgium? Bel- New Belgium. Yeah. New Belgium is an employee-owned company. Yeah. You know? And that's the direction that a lot of breweries are going. You know, well, when you even see even Sam Adams, like you said, I mean, yeah, right. Well, and then, uh, well, it would be awesome, you know. When that's, I put my time in, knowing that I'm not going to make a ton of money doing this right now, but someday we're going to go national, and someday, you know, everyone that puts their time in. I started as a volunteer, literally canning. Literally, I, I mean, and I, I still can. I still can twice a week. So for no money, I still get back there and I can our beer because I love what I do. Yep. I mean, I, I, I was a, a basically a programmer and electronics developer by trade, and I would rather take the pay cut and do this. Hey, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Two of us are both in IT. <laughs> okay, well, well, Macy, uh, one of our founders, he's from IT. He's in IT as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I was a developer, and uh, it, I still love it, and I'll take that knowledge with me into what I do now and make the craft beer industry, I'll give them all those tools to do data mining and stuff like that because those are some of the things that we are missing as an industry that the big boys have up on us. They can do market you know, analysis and business analysis and data mining. data scientists and stuff. That we right, well, I mean, actually, technically speaking, I, I, that's what I do is I'm a, I'm a data scientist. Like I'm not, uh, So that is the kind of stuff that, that I do. And it's, like, I program in such an obscure language. I program in a language called R. You know, so it's like the language that no one's heard of except for pirates, IR. Scientists are But... But there's a lot of things we can, there's a lot of information that we can use to help each other out, and we can we collaborate on beer. Why not? Why don't we collaborate on like some data infrastructure? You know, and it's we are going to have to use all the tools that huge corporations use in order to keep us competitive. Because right now, all these big guys. They're starting to get scared of us. Right now, their first their first response is, we'll just buy them. We'll buy them. Well, what they're not expecting is that they thought this was a fad. This isn't a fad. It's not going away. I mean, we've system every year, we're gaining more market share and they're getting less. And we're not we're not growing from people that have never had beer. We're growing from their market share. You know, and as an industry, if we're not careful, we're going to be up against a wall the same way that, you know, new technologies are. 
you know, because these companies are, they're multi-billion, billion, billion, and billion. These are not, they have the money to not f*** around with us if it gets to a point. And we have to, like, we have to be cognizant of that. And we have to understand that at some point we're going to get pushback from them because they're not losing money from us. But we're starting to make an impact, and they can't buy all of us. So And so I, I hope that at some point we're able to collectively put together the kind of resources they do. You know, and we can, there's, there's no way we can do a, a, a NFL. Like, there's no way we could afford that. We could never afford an NFL time slot. Uh, you say that, but one of my, my, one of my points to Dustin for a long time was that I wish, I wish, let's say full clip, let's say, let's say even Andrews and Benny Keith of their smaller portfolios got together and said, let's buy a Super Bowl ad. Like, the guy, all of you banding together, like all the crap brews banded together to say, I don't know. You do it alone, but yeah, yeah if you guys no, got together. Like, exactly. But why, why couldn't full clip plus Benny Keith plus Andrews and say, like, let's invest some money and buy a 30-second spot to counter... All those BS ads that Anheuser Busch or Coors are going to put out to be to make fun of their own properties that they're buying. Why couldn't you do that? Just one thirty-second ad. And I would counter to that to say that the amount of money they spend on a single ad is probably more than Full Clip does will do this year. Yeah, you're right. You know, and it's definitely more than we will do at. I mean, for multiple years to come. But I do see where you're coming from, and I agree. And. Uh, my direction on that would be uh, I'm going for, I, I say the word attacking but I don't mean that in a negative connotation I'm attacking radio personalities uh, I don't mean that in a way that like I'm ambushing or anything but I'm finding the on-air personalities that occasionally you will make a comment about oh I enjoy craft beer those are the guys that like like 105.3 they have a they have several hosts that but yet they're still and they'll make jokes about oh oh yeah come have another miller come have another dosekis but i know for a fact that they're actually craft beer drinkers and so the way that i'm approaching our media is to go after those guys and schedule uh on sites or just show up and every time they do an on site at that miller is Sponsoring, I'll just go in and give them beer for themselves. <laughs> just ambush them. I ambush them. Yeah, and, uh, I actually, I already kind of do that a little bit. I go, to, like, I tailgate. I tailgate Cowboys games. Um, I tailgate TCU games. I tailgate SMU games. And uh, it was experimental, and now it's a mainstay because uh, I'll I'll stand right next to someone that's in line to buy a beer or something, and I'll be like, hey, I've got some free beer outside if you want to come have one. No, and so that's I probably should have said that but that, you know that's five, that's only $5 out of their pocket but it's yeah. still $5 out of their pocket hey, I've, got a, I've got a cooler beer sitting right outside we can walk out right now I've got a tent and everything yeah. and it's it is incredibly effective you know when you know have you have you been to, do you guys go to Rangers games have you been to Rangers game not, not a big baseball not a while, but yeah. yes okay, well they've added a craft beer to vendor they've got a couple of them and you'd be surprising, like, all right, well, that's a you know, that's a mainstream event, and you realize that, wow, we're we're actually making inroads. I saw the Mavericks did that as well. Yeah, actually, I just did it. I uh, I was just at uh, Arcade Fire, and uh, it was all Benny Keith stuff, but it was still Benny Keith's craft portfolio. Yeah, right. And I sat there and talked to the Benny Keith rep for a while, and they're like, yeah, we just keep adding more people, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, one day, 
I mean, well, I mean, if we want to get down to it, Wild Acre is a Benny Keith company. It's just thinly disguised as a former, I think it's the CFO that stepped down to start Wild Acre, which is not, I'm not talking shit, but I'm just saying that this, these large companies are realizing that this is a serious industry, yeah. you know? So, sorry, I ramble sometimes. No, no, you're no, no, no. It's it's exciting to hear. Like, it's exciting to hear. So we'll leave it at that. But so, anything coming up at Hot Fusion other than your one an, one year anniversary that you want to you want to pimp? Uh, yeah. So the twenty fifth is our one year anniversary. Uh, it's the day after Thanksgiving. Multiple uh, barrel aged beers coming out. Um, uh, tentatively, I'm trying to put together an event. Uh, probably in March or April of next year called FTW FTW which is Fort Worth for the win um, it's in early planning stages but uh, we'll see um, other than that we don't have any big things planned we're just trying to get past our first year and like have a have one year is a big and in small business one year is a gigantic accomplishment oh yeah and um, we're so far ahead of where we thought we would be that uh I wouldn't say it's overwhelming, but it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. Um, it's not like a bad kind of overwhelming, but it is a like, oh, shit, I'm sitting on a dinosaur. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not a dinosaur because that's a bad connotation. I'm sitting on like a raging bull. Like, yeah. Yeah, we just didn't, we knew people liked our beers when we were homebrewers. We didn't know that we were going to have this kind of response in the market. So it's like, uh, there's a... Like you guys said, had you guys heard of us before today? Or I'd heard of you, but again, we don't get out to Fort Worth because we're in East Dallas. It's it's right. a haul, it's a drive, it's it's dangerous with drinking. Right, right, right. Well, uh, no, I mean, and so, I mean, and there's a lot of really good breweries around, so it's yeah. not that surprising. But uh, she talked to the mar- our marketing guy. Oh wait, that's me. Uh, about like why you guys haven't heard of us. Um, yeah, no, it's um, it's something. It's another challenge. I mean, there's so many good bars out there. There's so many good growler fills. Uh, um, there's only so many places we can get to. Um, Full Clip does a great job of it, but they have a big portfolio too. Like they can't get get us in everywhere. And if you haven't heard of us or you haven't had the beer, who knows? You take when you buy new beer, it's a crapshoot. Sometimes, you know, you can go on Untapped, you can go on Beer Advocate, but that's not necessarily. I mean, hell, our highest our highest rated beer is our water. It's a it's got a four point eight five on Untapped, but. I mean, all of our other beers are, are mostly above fours as well, except for I think one or two. But still, it's like it's hard to judge because everyone loves people. Usually, going on tap, they pretty much already know the beers they like. They're like, oh, yeah. unless they really don't like a beer, they're like this beer, you know, give it a two. But no, but but for the most part, it's kind of hard to quantitate that. And Untapped is really interesting because they don't want to give you any of their data. They have an API, so I I, I had to just fill out a request to have access to their API so I can quit hiding it behind proxies and stuff. But, uh, so, yeah, so basically I'm trying to, you know, I want to, I want to do a couple of like data mining and also some, uh, promotional related apps. So I'm, there's a whole process and this goes back to the whole thing about like collectively, what could we do? And untapped doesn't want to give up their data right now. So hopefully that's going to change. Uh, I'll be right back. It's all right. We'll, uh, What's your, what's our? Cocaine. Cocaine. Ah, uh, there's no cocaine. This is the best tent in the country. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. This is ridiculous. Right on. I thought you'd lost something for a second. No, no, no. We were just saying, this is the best. Thank you. Best lineup. 
sorry, I thought we were having uh, issues for a second there. <laughs> we are, because uh, you're keeping the cocaine to yourself. Right, fair enough. Fair enough. Bring up my ass. <laughs> I'd make more comments, but I don't know if I'm being recorded right now. <laughs> no, we're good. All right, well, thanks for your time. Well, that does it for our coverage of Index Fest Dallas 2017. Thanks to everyone who talked to us, and above all, thanks to you for listening. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should. It's absolutely free, and you can find us wherever fine podcasts are found. If you have any comments, you can email us at brewbloodsshow at gmail.com. That's brewbloodsshow at gmail.com. Find us on any social platform. We are at brewbloods on all of those. Or you can call the hotline at 469-573-BEER. That's 469-573-2337. So for Dustin and Jennifer, I'm Mark saying props. Props.